Welcome back to Tapping Into Crypto, the podcast for all things cryptocurrency. This week, we are going to be chatting about all things tax. And to do that, we have Shane Brunette from Crypto Tax Calculator. And we're going to be answering all of the questions that you guys had for us. So everything from staking to NFTs and DeFi, what a capital gain actually is and how to realize losses. We are unpacking it all today. Now, guys, please bear with me. I am coming off the back of COVID, so my voice is a little croaky in this episode. But lucky for you, Shane is the expert here and covers absolutely everything that you need to know. And of course, a reminder that nothing that we talk about in this episode is actual tax advice, just general information as of the time of recording. So let's dive in. Welcome to the podcast, Shane Brunette from Crypto Tax Calculator. It is so good to have you here with us today. Yeah, th- thanks so much for putting us together. I can't wait. And guys, I am again apologizing for my voice at the start of this one, but this is such an important topic. We know so many of you have wanted to dive into this and cannot wait to be talking about all things tax and how to make your life that little bit easier at the moment. Now, Shane, before we dive into any of that, the question that we ask everyone to the podcast is, what was your very first crypto purchase and do you still have it now? Um. Hmm. Yeah, so my very first crypto purchase was to buy Bitcoin over the counter on local Bitcoins back in the day. Uh, you couldn't actually get fiat into the exchange system back then, mm-hmm. particularly easy. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, I actually sold that. Um, I actually transferred into ETH at the time, and then I later dumped it when the Dow hack happened. Um, oh, no. Regrettable decision, anyway. Oh my gosh. Well, at least you didn't spend it on pizza. That's, you know, a step up from there, I guess. Um, But yeah, devastating. And when was that? Because back when you had to go and actually physically purchase it, that's going back a little while now. Yeah, like 2015, 16, that type of time. Mm, And did you get back into it after everything stabilized and you started to see the momentum? Yeah, a few months later, I had some regret. But by that time, Ether jumped from like $3 to $300. So that was pretty annoying. I mean, and then I was thinking $300 was um, very expensive, like two, $300. Yeah, so there's all that hindsight stuff that comes in. Yeah, it took me a while to really appreciate the technology behind this system. Like there was a lot of uh, hype back then, as there still is sometimes today, obviously. But um, from an engineering point of view, once I actually understood, you know, smart contracts and started to play around with it a bit more, I got a lot more bullish. Um, yeah. Definitely. And there'll be so many people listening to this and being like, $300 for ETH? Like, oh my God, what a bargain. Uh, but we know that that climbed very, very quickly back then as well. And then moving forward, you've done a few interesting things in the crypto space. For those that might not be aware of your journey so far, can you let us know what you've been up to in the world of Web3 and crypto? Uh, Yeah, sure. So obviously today working on a crypto tax calculator solution wasn't always out there trying to create tax software for cryptocurrency. Uh, Initially, when I entered the space, I got quite interested in the kind of the smart contract side of things and the transparency you could have around liquidity, etc. Uh, at the time, I was trying to work on a regulated decentralized exchange, something that would facilitate a secondary market for real startup companies, I guess, in, in the real world, not just ICOs, etc. Ran into a lot of regulatory issues, I suppose, when we're engaging with local Australian regulators. 
and we actually had like a decentralized exchanges somewhat working um, but kind of came out of that with my own tax nightmare particularly around how do you do your taxes when there isn't a financial intermediary in the first place so when you're doing you know trades on chain as well as off chain say on a centralized exchange how do you merge these two kind of really quite different types of data formats into something so that you could still do your tax return when there isn't that financial intermediary in the first place to facilitate a clear transaction history. And it is something that we're hearing from so many of our listeners. And I know myself personally as well have been in that pain and that heartache of trying to reconcile all the transactions. Like, you know, if you've been a little active and even if you haven't, just trying to go back and figure out what you have to reconcile and how to reconcile it and where to even get it from is just such a nightmare. Yeah. So, I mean, the fundamental issue is that, say, for example, if you're trading, if you've actually interacted with any on-chain type of software, you know, decentralized exchange, et cetera, in theory, you're doing kind of more like peer-to-peer trades. And in that scenario, there isn't that financial intermediary to even give you a CSV in the first place. Like you have to pull the data directly from the blockchain. The data that's stored on the blockchain is pretty noisy. It's not really designed to be able to pull against a particular wallet address, et cetera. So it's actually a massive shortfall in terms of what's required from a user perspective. That's kind of the point where we really try to address is just making a whole lot easier to have a standard format across centralized exchanges as well as, you know, decentralized exchanges or DeFi, that type of thing. Um, The market's definitely changed a lot over, you know, since 2018 when we first started on that problem we actually went into a very deep dark bear market you know nfts like beyond crypto kitties that just went dark Uh, no one was trading on decentralized exchanges there was a lot of regulatory concern around back then with ether delta etc and we didn't have the breakthroughs that we had today with uniswap etc so basically the pain point wasn't there and people were barely even transacting on you know centralized exchanges but that's changed obviously a lot. I think a lot of the activity recently, well, not recently, but over the last two years in cryptocurrency was kind of triggered by a lot of these, you know, on-chain technologies like smart contracts actually having users and the technology going from just a thought to actual substantial platforms with a real user base and people actually being able to see the long-term value that some of these technologies have and from that came a dramatic increase in terms of the complexities that people have around trying to do their taxes you know they're not simply just buying and selling occasionally now they're they're doing all types of activity across lots and lots of different networks with different protocols different exchanges different products within those exchanges, different types of leverage. It's been like a Cambridge explosion in terms of what you can actually do in the space. Yeah, 100%. I think my poor accountant nearly had a heart attack when she saw the transactions that had kind of gone through, especially my husband's portfolio. He's definitely more active than I am. And she was like, wait, hang on. This is like in a year. You know, there's just so many different things now. It's not just buying and selling crypto, like you just mentioned and touched on a couple of them. And all of this, guys, we're going to keep saying this throughout the episode because this is 100% not tax advice. And everyone's circumstances are, of course, so unique and individual to them. So really, really important that you're getting your own advice relative to you when you are looking to do this. But zooming back out, what sort of 
things can be classed as a taxable event, just to give people an idea of all the different things they're doing and what could be something that they need to be reporting on. Yeah. So, I mean, there's lots of different taxable events within cryptocurrency at a very top level within Australia. And obviously, this is just general information, but, um, you know, you kind of have this concept of capital gains and capital gains tax. And then you've got a general concept of ordinary income and tax on income. Uh, In crypto, it's quite possible to earn either income or have to pay taxes based on capital gains. Uh, So let's focus on capital gains to begin with. You know, obviously, when you buy some crypto, unless you're disposing of another cryptocurrency for that crypto, it's probably not a taxable event. So if you go and buy, you know, Bitcoin with Australian dollars, that's fine. But then when you go and sell that Bitcoin, like most people realize these days that, you know, that is actually taxable, especially if you sell it for Australian dollars, that's fairly obvious. But what happens if you swap it for, say, Ether, like another cryptocurrency? Now, it used to be quite common back in, say, 2017, there was an argument to be made that, you know, you haven't actually cashed out the cryptocurrency back to the bank account. You don't actually have any Australian dollars. So that trade from Bitcoin to Ethereum was argued to be not a taxable event back then. Uh, The ATO came out and clarified that, in fact, it is a taxable event, that you're disposing of Bitcoin for that Ethereum and that you're realizing the economic gain in the Bitcoin if it has risen in price. And so that disposal you know, is a potential capital gains or loss event and you need to record it as such. And if it's a capital gains, you shouldn't actually be transferring the entire value into, say, another cryptocurrency, but you should be setting aside some money, like actually cashing out some money to have on the side for when you have to pay taxes. And that's still surprisingly overlooked today, even though there's been a lot of education around this, just this idea of, you know, direct crypto to crypto transactions being a taxable event. It's probably still going to be catching people off guard. Um, Unfortunately, if you were trading, for example, at the top of the bull market that's recently come, you know, say Bitcoin $60,000 and maybe you've crystallized a gain of $40,000 from when Bitcoin went to 20 to 60,000 and then you, you know, you swap it into Ether and then the cryptocurrency market crashes and you're still holding the ether, you could get yourself into these situations where you've realized this capital gain in the past financial year. You never realized the capital loss because you decided to hold onto, say, for example, Ethereum in this example. And you actually end up with a tax bill that is potentially even larger than your current portfolio. Uh, We've actually seen this in a lot of, not a lot, but numerous circumstances where the actual participant is, you know, distressed from their tax burden because they haven't actually understood what the tax implications of their transaction activity is. So it's actually really important to consider the tax side of things because it's one thing to think about your gross gain, like, oh, I've made 60 grand in the space or whatever, but what you actually care about is your net profit, not your gross profit. And so many people get caught out here, especially when the rules change. Like, you know, this change, but it is something that people weren't aware of. And if you go back and depending on where you're getting your information from, you can read all sorts of stuff on Facebook that talks about the fact that that swapping of currencies isn't a taxable event, but it, it 100% is now. And that scenario, like it would just be heartbreaking. Something that comes up and is challenged a lot in the community is 
then how does the ATO know when you've done these sort of things? And this is kind of going into a bit of a gray area, but do you have any insight into how all of this is being tracked by the ATO at the moment? Okay, so there's off-chain and on-chain transactions, right? The off-chain transactions occur on centralized exchanges. The ATO and pretty much every tax authority in the world have the right to essentially to subpoena and get that data from off-chain activity. And in most circumstances, the exchange would appease that situation because, you know, they're not going to go against the local laws. So the ATO actually has, generally speaking, more rights than the police, for example, to actually subpoena and gather data. It's quite aggressive, you know. They're out to try to pull in revenue to support, you know, military, hospitals, infrastructure, etc. Obviously, the government's given them as much power as they need to be able to do that. When it comes to on-chain activity, I mean, it's on-chain. So it's publicly visible information. Anyone can see it. It's recorded on the blockchain. It's immutable. It doesn't disappear. It stays there till the end of time or until that blockchain stops running. And even then, I think there'd probably still be archive nodes. So you can pretty much get this whenever you want. There's technology companies out there their bread and butter business is analyzing this activity and identifying users and mapping them back to centralized exchange activity. Uh, it's the primary business of quite a lot of technology companies out there, especially you know around KYC, AML, that type of technology, and it's now being used for tax compliance. Um, the tax authorities, I mean, not to frighten anyone listening to this podcast, you know, but the tax authorities are well aware that you know there is a tax gap and there is this perception in the market of like, how will they ever know? The thing is, there's also billions of dollars involved here, which the tax authorities are becoming aware of. And I mean, there's a lot of motivation there to close that tax gap. If you're doing the right thing, you you don't really have a whole lot to worry about. If you're going about trying to do your taxes and do the right thing and pay the right amount of money, then you've got nothing really to worry about here. But if you're committing tax fraud, then the tax authority, I think it's like five or seven years usually to go back and catch you. But if it's tax fraud, they've got like a lifetime and the technology around this is just getting better and better. So, yeah. yeah. And there is, there really is nowhere to hide, as you said. And the interesting thing, and I think the thing that people don't often think about is thinking that a third party could be involved, like those companies that you mentioned, someone who is like purely motivated, incentivized to find these people and provide that information to the tax department. Because again, if you're thinking, you know, oh, it's just the government that's going to be researching and doing this. Well, yes, okay, maybe that's not a, a great deal of manpower resources, but when it's all on the blockchain and there's companies that are digging into this data, it's very, very easy to to pinpoint and map what's actually going on, especially when we move into somewhere that's perhaps a little bit more complex, which I'd love your thoughts on as well, is the, the world of NFTs and DeFi. And I know this is just such a dark hole that we could venture down and, and probably never come back out of. Yeah, so NFTs are actually a pretty good example of some of the complexities here. So most of the NFT activity happens on chain just by the nature of it. And so, you know, you go and buy an NFT on OpenSea for $10,000, right? But they don't actually accept Australian dollars, do they? They accept Ether. And so maybe you've spent two Ether or three Ether on this NFT. So actually, you know, you've disposed of three Ethereum tokens and you might have 
triggered again when disposing of those ether. So it's back to the point prior, crypto to crypto transactions. One side of the trade is cryptocurrency. The other side of the trade is an NFT. You're disposing of cryptocurrency to pay for that NFT. That's that's fairly obvious. Now, because it's happening on chain, posing that we're in the Ethereum ecosystem for a second, you've got to pay gas fees. Maybe you've aped into this NFT collection and the gas fees are particularly high. And maybe you've spent $200 on gas. For those who are listening and don't know what that is, it's basically like a commission and essentially you're paying a commission to the network to process your transaction. You know, there could potentially be a gain on the cryptocurrency that you sold to pay for the fee. So you might have bought Ethereum if you were lucky enough to buy it back when it was $2 for two Ether and now you're selling two Ether for, I don't know, $200 or something. There's a $198 gain there that you could have made just on the fee itself. But then you've got the total value of the fee and then you have to associate that back to the cost basis if you want to try to claim that, you know, this is similar to commission, but which is kind of argumentative at this point. We don't have clear guidelines on it. But if you were to do that, then you could put that onto your cost basis. Uh, so the easiest way to think about this is it's a bit like selling Apple stock directly for Tesla stock, but then paying for the fee in Google stock. And, you know, it sounds complex because it is. Like you, you're really involving three different currencies here. I mean, you could do lots of things with NFTs. You could probably, you know, you could get into a situation where you can breed NFTs. So you can create 10 NFTs with, say, one disposal of a cryptocurrency. And then the cost basis is shared across all those different NFTs. A good example when we come back to the income side of things. So we've so far talked about really capital gains, and capital losses. But, you know, you, you might be able to, I think you can stake the board apes at the moment and then you could earn another token as a reward, like a kind of like a staking reward. So, you know, given the guidelines that the APO has presented so far, they suggest that staking rewards are treated as ordinary income for tax purposes, similar to interest earned in a bank. The issue with that is that you're essentially earning this ordinary income or like, you know, this interest-like activity, you're receiving that value in a cryptocurrency. Uh, often this cryptocurrency has just been originated by that project. So it doesn't have long-term price stability yet, like it's highly volatile. There's plenty of situations where people have staked large amounts of capital and received quite a lot of tokens as staking rewards. You know, you had those projects, it was like 600% APY over the first week of the project. But as, you know, the project inflates and the creates, originates these cryptocurrency tokens that are dispersed to participants who are staking, you know, obviously there's a huge amount of inflation going on in that token and then the, the token bottoms out. And the point is, yeah, I mean, not only did you receive, say, $100,000 in this token, which is now worth $0, which is bad enough, but because you received it as kind of like a staking reward, it's treated as ordinary income. You can't discount the ordinary income against the capital loss. So you get yourself into another hairball situation here. And I've actually seen this happen so far quite a bit. You know, you, you receive $100,000 in staking awards. Say you're lucky enough to be on a higher tax bracket. That's for argument's sake, say it's 40% income tax at this point. So you owe $40,000 in tax 
on that staking award, but the staking tokens went bust. The project, it was just a pump and dump. Now it's worth 20 bucks. And so you owe $39,980 in tax still. Um, yeah. So it's pretty brutal. And people, you know, aren't often thinking about this. They're thinking, oh, great, I earned $100,000 in tokens. It was free. Let's just hold on to this. Let's see where it will go. Uh, it goes to zero. And they didn't realize they had tax exposure that they were by holding this token holding the full value of the token, you've taken on a risk, not just in the token itself dropping down, but you being exposed to a tax bill where you no longer have the value in the asset anymore. So it's pretty dangerous. There should probably be a lot more warnings around this. It's fairly aggressive stance from the ATO, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, but we do have a border tax review coming up towards the end of the year and maybe some situations like this might get reviewed. But as it stands today, given the current guidelines, this is kind of the situation what people are looking at. And it's a real problem. Like, you know, you've got the Terra UST collapse just recently. That's a great example of where, you know, people have been staking what they thought was a stable coin only for it to now be worth zero dollars. And they're declaring bankruptcy literally because they can't pay their tax bill. My gosh, that is horrific. And I'm assuming as well with those staking rewards, like that gain is, is that calculated as it drops into your wallet? So like on a daily basis, it would be, you know, if it's valued at this on this day, because if it's of course something that's quite high at at the point that you actually receive that reward, that's again, where you're just going to end up in so much trouble here. Potentially, I would encourage anyone on the podcast to, you know, read through the ATO guidelines there, have a look at their staking and how they view that. You can actually just see that publicly on the guidelines there and then go talk to their accountant or a tax lawyer about this. But argumentatively, that's exactly what they're suggesting is that on the point of receipt, that's where the taxable point is because you're in control of the asset. You could sell it you've decided not to. And from their perspective, the way that they look at it is like basically between every cryptocurrency transaction, there's actually a virtual AUD purchase or sale. So really how they look at it is that, oh, you received $1,000 in Aussie dollars and then you decided to pump all of it into this unknown token, which collapsed to zero. Even though you actually just received $1,000 of this unknown token, they're kind of thinking of it as like it's the equivalent of receiving Aussie dollars and then buying that token. That's how the kind of taxes work. So, you know, if you received $100,000 in cash, would you go out and buy this token? If the answer is no, then you probably shouldn't be still holding the $100,000 worth of that token. Wow. And just so many people, I can just like think now how many people are going to be impacted by this and again, don't know about it which is is huge. Going back to NFTs and swinging back there for a second, we spoke about when you receive them, at, say as part of an airdrop or you're minting them for the first time and getting that. Is there, I guess, any tax information that you're aware of around NFTs and swapping an NFT and trading those as well? Yeah, I mean, it just comes up as a crypto to crypto transaction. I mean, an NFT is just another crypto token. It's just a one-of-a-kind cryptocurrency. I think there's been talks about it potentially being collectible, personal use. I mean, I doubt that any of those rules would actually apply. Again, it's worth talking to an accountant or tax lawyer, but I mean, chances are if there's money involved and there's been gains that have been made, they're going to be taxable. 
And that's where it gets really tricky too. Like, you know, you've got a lot of projects now that are allowing you to accumulate some NFTs together and burn them in exchange for another different NFT that may have a higher value. So again, it just gets really, really, really gray when you start playing in this area, guys. But we are not here to just be all doom and gloom today as well. But there's definitely a lot of things and a lot of things that have changed, especially since last year, that you just need to be aware of. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of these rules have been based on, you know, pre-existing kind of perspectives around taxes. And then, you know, cryptocurrencies come along and created a bunch of products. And it's just, I mean, the cryptocurrency ecosystem in itself is very complex. It's almost like an entire economy. Within any economy, you could do lots and lots of different transactions of all different types of things. And then the tax rules apply in different manners to all these different types of transactions. So it's just complex because it's a complex ecosystem. Definitely. And, you know, Shane, we might be here in in six, 12 months time and everything we're talking about now might not apply, which would be just lovely if it wasn't. But, you know, it moves so quickly in this space as well. So we just don't know at the time of recording. It's, of course, what we're talking about. But it, it could, of course, change in the future as well. With the market the way it is, some of our listeners are, of course, going to be in a position where they are able to realize a loss or they're deciding to lock in that loss. What does that sort of look like from a, a tax perspective? Yeah. So, I mean, if you realize a loss in the same year as a capital gain, it just depends really on individual circumstances as well. So, don't take this as tax advice. But the general idea is that capital losses can offset capital gains either within that same asset class or, you know, like say if you had a gain on stocks and a loss on crypto, you could maybe offset the two against each other, that type of thing. So, there are those strategies out there. It's generally called tax planning and it's worthwhile going through a tax planning session with your accountant leading up to the end of the financial year. If you're crystallizing your losses right now at the start of the next tax year, generally speaking, they can only offset gains in this current year or in future current years. It's not going to be retroactive. So if you made a gain last financial year but you made a loss this financial year, highly unlikely you're going to be able to offset last year's loss. So it's actually a bit late to be doing that strategy right now if you've already made a gain from last financial year. Um, there are caveats, like there's this concept in the ATO around trading stock rules and this idea of being a trader versus an individual. If you've been doing a lot of transactions, if it's professional-like activity, there's all there's actually a long list of criteria and it's a very grey uh, like a lot of things in taxes, uh, it's it's quite grey, the interpretation. It's very open to interpretation and you should be consulting with somebody to determine whether you might be a trader or an individual. The point here is that it's important to keep in mind that like the, the rules might be totally different for you, particularly if you're partaking as like, you know, a somewhat professional activity. So it's quite complex. Not only are there different rules for different types of transactions within cryptocurrency and they have different types of tax consequences, but given your activity in the space, there can actually be totally different set of rules that apply to you, depending on you know things like whether you're an individual versus a trader, which as a trader is a bit more like a business in terms of how the taxes apply. 
Mm-hmm. And we did touch on that on our episode last year as well around what those implications can look like and, and how they are classified. So we'll pop that in the show notes. And if you are wanting to explore that a little bit further, definitely jump back and listen to that episode. And again, it's about, you know, if you've been listening to this, this whole podcast and thinking, oh my gosh, what's happened? What have I done? This is a, such a great opportunity to really think about how you're going to set yourself up for the next year because we don't know what's going to come in a, in the months ahead. We hope there might be a return at some point. So if you are going to be in locking in some gains, just ways that you can, I guess, be a little bit more strategic with with how you're planning these things as well. Yeah, absolutely. That tax planning side of things, and there's lots of strategies around, you know, tax planning. So it's really worth getting the right advice there if you are going to do that. And yeah, just consider when you're actually going to be locking those losses as well as gains and what the tax implications might be. And for people that have been listening to this and now realizing that there perhaps is a lot more transactions that they should have recorded than they did in the past, how can Crypto Tax Calculator help them with this, Shane? Yes, I mean, if you if you ever looked at some of the exchange data that's provided to you, if you you know you request CSVs or try to get it from the network if you're doing on-chain activity, the data could be quite raw and difficult to look at. Essentially, what we provide a crypto tax calculator is a bookkeeping tool. So we take those raw inputs and convert everything into an Aussie dollar denominated transaction history that's normalized across all these different data integrations that we have. We've got over, I think, close to 600 now. And then we just normalize all this so that you can take that single transaction history report to your accountant to work out what your tax obligations are. Otherwise, we generate a bunch of different reports that will kind of break down what your different total gains are. And you can, once you have those gains, it's, it's usually quite easy to work out what the actual tax implications are and what your, your tax amount is. It's just getting to that point in the first place that kind of like that data processing side of things that's super painful and extremely time consuming. And uh, ideally, you just connect your different exchanges and public wallet addresses into our app and we just do all that hard work for you. And then you just need to go through and categorize and maintain this over time uh, so you don't come into next tax year scratching your head as to how to sort through the huge amount of transactions that you might have created. Yeah. And can people do this historically now as well? So if they're trying to do it for last financial year, can they integrate everything now with you and press the same button and get the result that they they want? Yeah, absolutely. So we need the full transaction history to be able to work out taxes. So once you sign up to our platform, our pricing actually works for all historical years as well. So you pay, say, $99 for the one of the basic plans. And then you've actually got access to all previous tax years as well. And you can generate reports against those historical years under the same uh, annual subscription. So you pay once for the annual subscription, you get access to all the previous historical years so you can catch up. If you're like many users, they might not have done their crypto taxes for a while, like maybe four years. And you're not going to be slapped with, you know, four different tax bills from us. You're just going to have the one price that you can go back and all your taxes against and then moving forward the idea is to keep it up to date so you don't have that kind of pain of trying to remember what you did on a Tuesday night back in 2019. (laughs) Yeah and you can see sort of what's going on as well in real time and what your transactions are across the board especially if you're staking and and doing those things that we explained are a little bit more complex today. Just understanding your position I think is really important as well 
And something else that I know we've spoken about a few places that people get caught up, but the other one that is so complex and just frustrating to try and resolve yourself is when you have, you know, all the transactions are done in US dollars, but the ATO doesn't care about any of those. The only thing they're interested in is what's actually done in Australian dollars. So it's not only figuring out, you know, what this cryptocurrency is worth, it's then often converting that again back into Australian dollars using the exchange rate on that day at that time in that specific place. So it is just a nightmare if you're trying to do it yourself. Yeah, it's pretty difficult. I mean, it's really about time. The time is, you know, money. Uh, it's really hard to do this without the right software, particularly if you're trading on chain and you, you can't even get access to the data in the first place in most instances. So yeah, I would obviously recommend it having created the product, that's for sure. <laughs> yes, but but also from a third-party non-biased perspective, it's 100% definitely worth something investing your time in to do it right um, because we do know that the ATO are going to ramp up their resources here and we just don't want people to be caught out, especially with all the different little nuances that are there. So, Jane, there's been so much that we've covered and obviously so much more in this space. If you are you know, doing your tax return, you 100% need the right people in your corner. What would be your words of advice for someone heading into a new financial year? What do you think, aside from obviously setting themselves up and having a good place to keep track of their records, what else can people do to set themselves up for success over the next year? Yeah, so if you're listening to this podcast, you're starting to stress about crypto tax. I, I wouldn't do that, actually. I just kind of, you know calmly log into, you know, products such as ourselves and just connect all your exchanges and wallet information, et cetera, and just try to get an understanding of the situation that you're in. It might not be that bad. Uh, once you connect all your wallets, it might be actually pretty straightforward. If you do have a fairly complex scenario, you know, lots of different transactions or, you know, significant gains, that type of thing, could very well be worth reaching out to a specialist. There's quite a lot of cryptocurrency accountants who specialize in the space these days and tax lawyers, et cetera. We can offer some suggestions on who to talk to. Otherwise, what you could do is keep on using the product and get it all kind of sorted within the product and then actually just hand that over to a everyday accountant because we do provide everything in fiat dollars, so Aussie dollars, and then it, it just becomes a whole lot more understandable once you've got these reports which are in the same language as the accountant rather than trying to explain to the accountant that you were staking egg tokens on PancakeSwap back on 20 and like, you know, like it, uh, there's a totally different language that accountants use and typically cryptocurrency users aren't too familiar with it. So just providing these reports in a format that are digestible by these accountants is super helpful. And then a lot of the time you'll be able to work through it yourself and, you know, do e-tax, that type of thing as well. So it's just about getting on top of it. That's the biggest thing is just don't put your head in the sand and wait for this to blow over. Like that's quite a common strategy is I don't want to think about it. It doesn't sound too fun. I'll just put it off until tomorrow and tomorrow it never comes until you get an audit request from the ATO and then it gets extremely stressful. So I'd probably get proactive. You've got a much better outcome if you're proactive about your taxes rather than getting caught. So yeah. And they do, you know, at the end of the day, from, from what I've seen and the experiences I've heard as well, the ATO do always want to work with you as well. If you do have a debt to pay to them, if you're upfront and you're proactive on it as well, they are usually pretty accommodating. Yeah. So we will pop absolutely everything in the show notes on where to find you, all the information about Crypto Tax Calculator. But if someone wants to do it right now, Shane, where can they go to find out more information? Yeah, CryptoTaxCalculator.io. Just log on there. You, you'll be able to hit our landing page, click the sign up button and just start 
entering in your public wallet addresses and generating API keys with your favorite exchanges and you're good to go. Amazing. And it is so easy. And there's so many incredible resources and information there as well, guys, if you are looking to learn a little bit more in this space as well. So Shane, thank you so much for joining us. It has been incredible having you with us and we will talk to you very soon. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us for today's show. If you liked it, don't forget to head over to the gram and join us at Tapping Into Crypto. And before we finish up, just a general disclaimer that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. And the opinions on this podcast belong to individuals and are not affiliated with any companies mentioned. Any advice is general in nature and does not take into account your own personal situation. If you're looking to get advice, please seek out the help of a licensed financial advisor. We'll talk to you soon. 